Noble Experiment by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 20, Approaching the Elders of Lorraine. Across the lifeless terrain from the fortress, survivors of the vaporization were working frantically to break the energy field. In conjunction with the Renegan and his computer, they had adjusted their flutons to function to sync with the computer. Preform and his dwarfs stood back, not really understanding what the others were doing, but prepared to trust the results. Paris, checking one final experiment, pushed the fluton triggers as he stood on the edge of the blue streaks. He looked at his computer and then up at Grack. Well? asked the commander. The latest push into the field was considerable, an extremely wide arc. Understood, said Grack. But can it be sustained? Computer estimates are a duration of 5.2 hours, and that's with one fluton. Should be more than enough time, Commander. What if the elders are watching right now? Asked Sheesh. Could this not be yet another trap like the other? Renegan may be right, said Treefoam from the rear. You have the tools of magic, but they are strong enough to be used against the elders? We don't even know our destination. Commander, said Paris. The uncertainty of this operation is not as impossible as they say. We only need to travel a short distance into the field to the buttes. Instruments show absolutely no field density in the broken area. My dwarfs are frightened, Commander, said Treeform. As he walked up to Grok, they do not trust your tools. Grok paused for a moment and then outstretched his arm, placing his hand on the freeholder's shoulder. Treeform, you must convince them. We are not going to commit suicide, but we are not going to be in there to submit either. Both of us have something at stake, Treeform, and that is the destruction of Ball Rain. In fact, both our lives depend on it. And are we merely going to sit by and do nothing? Let things go on as they've been? There will be other days to fight, Commander, said the Freeholder. There are no other days for you, my friend. Your armies are gone. All your friends and comrades are dead because of the elders. Dead. No. The time is now, Treeform, and this is the place to begin. I know we must penetrate that field to get to Volrain. You've seen our weapons. Even with 18 dwarfs, we still can make a fight of it. I'm afraid you're right, Commander. If we return to the village, they'll seek us out. Better to die now, if we must, than to spend a lifetime in servitude. Agreed. You are a brave dwarf, and so are your comrades, said Grok very tactfully. I will speak to them, replied Trefoam as he turned toward his dwarfs. Many of them, however, had already come forward. We have heard your words, said one of his dwarfs. Yes, and we will obey the commander to try to get to Volrain. You are brave dwarfs, said Trefoam as he faced Grok once again. Whenever you are ready, commander. Good, good, smiled Grack as he walked down the incline to Paris. Sheesh has been most helpful, Commander. He has created a reverse polarity in his own computer. It will screen out all sensor scans against us. Excellent. That eliminates one very important problem. Treeform and his dwarfs are ready to go to Volrain. And we are ready at this end, Commander, stated his second-in-command. Grack motioned to Treeform at the top of the knoll and the Doris came forward with their spears and long bows. Grack could still see doubt in their black eyes, but they were willing to overcome that doubt and follow him inside the field. 
we are about to penetrate what can only be described as a corrosive energy field, as strong as the most powerful acid. It can, as you all saw so vividly, neutralize a dwarf in a matter of seconds. Through a combination of the computer and our fluton weapons, we have been able to create an opening in the field. We will secure an arc wide enough to pass through. All of us will bunch together within that radius. I will operate the computer as we travel. Are there any questions? We are ready to follow you, Commander Grok, assured Treeform. Good, said Grok as he was handed the computer with the spider-shaped futon now tied onto it. Let us go, he ordered as he strapped it into his belt, holding it with both hands as he moved to the edge of the sizzling energy field. He pushed the proper sequence of buttons and looked up as a wide arc opened just as Paris had predicted within the field. Commander? asked Paris, awaiting his orders. I want Laren and Butor at the front edge of the area, said Grok, as he felt more comfortable with his own dwarfs up front. You will keep the others inside, the rest of you, he said as he actually took a step inside the arc, moving it forward. The rest of you will stand in two rows in front of me and two rows in back. Sheesh, I want you in back of me. Following Grok's order, they took their respective positions. He checked the formation and kept his eyes on the computer as he stepped forward. Ready, Commander, assured Paris from up front. All right, here we go, said Grok as they began to march. The field was sealed neatly behind them and they were totally encompassed. All readings are normal, said Grok as they moved across the plain. It was like being in a room with a colored window as the blue light dimmed the outside suns. Once a few minutes had passed, they marched confidently in unison toward the buttes. Readings indicate we must proceed to the left, said Paris as he looked at the other computer. All right, did everyone hear that? We are going left in five seconds. Four, three, two, one, mark, he said as he turned the computer and his body to the left. He had moved too abruptly, however, and the dwarf Butor had not moved at all. The field seemed to move inward, trapping his frozen body in a red glow. In the brightness, it was disfigured and sliced into oblivion. Butor, no! cried Grok. Everyone stop! We will not panic! Everyone stop! But they were all frightened, especially Treeform's dwarfs, who had difficulty trying to comprehend the field. It was possible, in their minds, that it was closing in on them like it had on Butor. What happened? demanded the Renegade. Was it the device? No, it was not the device, Grok told him. I repeat, it was not the device. The arc remains constant. Butor did not move as fast as I did. He was too close to the edge of the field. Please, air readings are growing thin. We have a short distance left. We must continue. I will count down again, and then we will all move straight ahead. Laren, I want you closer to us, he said as the dwarf happily acquiesced to his demand. Five, four, three, two, one, march. They headed down the slight slope once again, this time more cautiously. The odds had become steeper with Butor's death, and to compound their problems, the air was growing unusually thin. When they burst from the field into the area under the clouds, they all drew the cool air into their lungs, some of them bending over in pain. Is everyone all right? asked Grok as he walked away from the field and sealed it back together. He handed the device to Paris. Keep those signals up. I don't want to be spotted. Yes, Commander. It certainly is cold over here. 
he stepped to the front of the group and once again took charge. We have an extraordinary march ahead of us. The computer can scan far ahead, and yet we see nothing of Vol Rain. This is the time for perseverance. We must keep going. Laren and Fleshen, you will advance ahead of us. Any problems up there will be reported back to us. Will we be out of range of the Renegade computer? Asked Laren. No, we have a wide range to knock down all scans against us. Answered Sheesh. He handed his computer to Laren. Very well, said Laren, as they both hurried along the trail into the broken land. Brock led the march, up front, as he had been all his life, and the others followed him in the cold, against the odds. Fortunately, they were all in superb physical condition, and were able to sustain the arduous ordeal over the hours. Darkness settled in quickly, however, and they carried their flickering torches in the wind. After some time, one of the dwarfs who had gone ahead ran swiftly down the narrow trail. Laren, asked Grok as his dwarf came down to meet them. Faint readings, Commander. We were some distance ahead of you. Fleshen is waiting with the computer. The terrain has changed. I suggest we hurry ahead, Commander. Survey those readings, advised Paris. Yes, let us go, said Grok as he began to walk quickly. An hour or so later, they reached Flesen. Paris was already reading on his own computer, and Flesen had handed the Renegan computer to Grok. Unbelievable, Commander, said Paris. What is it, Paris? Asked Sheesh as he looked at the computer. An immense power field similar to the cube on the revered one's hill, but much stronger. That's what I read also, said Grok, and minor power sources, a structure of sorts. We will follow the readings. Commander, I do read a defense field on this computer, around the base of a mountain, apparently below a building itself. And the only way to that fortress, began Grok, is to break through the field and climb the mountain, finished Paris. That is exactly right, Paris, said Grok as the torches blew in the howling wind. Laren, Flesen, I want you to go ahead once again. Are you all right? He asked as the two dwarfs stuffed food into their mouths and nodded their heads. How about everyone else? was no answer, even if there were problems. Grok considered this a tacit consent to plunge ahead, and when the two scouts departed, he gave the order to advance against the wind. Traveling over unmarked ledges in the beating snow-laden winds, Grok intrepidly led them in the direction of the computer readings. The temperature hovered just under the freezing point as they passed over ice-covered bodies of water and ankle-deep snow. It was only their constant movement which kept them warm. A long time had passed when they first picked up readings for the fortress. Despite his dwarfin physique, Grok could feel his stamina giving way. The party plugged steadfastly up the rocks of a smaller hill where the two Dorfian scouts were standing. The fortress peak ahead jutted above the other peaks, and below was the protective barrier that cut between the peaks in total darkness. Sir, said Laren, the field is quite strong. And quite invisible, said Paris. None of that blue light we saw back in the expanse. Correct, Commander, said Paris. His second-in-command picked up a rock and hurled it high into the air. As it fell toward the ground, it hit the top of the invisible field and was instantly dematerialized in a flash of orange light. You have made your point, Paris. Providing we are able to get through this, we must climb that peak. Yet we have an ocean of invisible protection below. Can we create an arc? 
Yes, it will be slightly smaller, Commander. Unless we drain the Fluton completely. No, we'll need the Fluton. We'll use a smaller arc. One final thing before we cross. Do you read life forms in that fortress? A scattered contingent along the outer edges. Others grouped inside near the power source. I should point out, Commander, I have never seen anything like that power source. Time and space would appear to be distorted inside. We'll have to take that into account when we plan our attack on the other side of the darkness. We are ready when you are, Commander, said Treeform. Sheesh, I want you up front, reading with your computer. I don't want any surprises. Laren, Pleasant, on the front left and right when I tell you. He said as he turned to Treeform, one of your spears. Treeform handed a spear to Grark. With Paris by his side, the commander edged his way down the slope. He stuck the spear outward as Paris gave the readings from the converted computer. Close, commander, you are close. The front of the spear exploded in orange sparks. Grack retracted it at once. He had reached the edge of the invisible field. And to his satisfaction, he had seen it without the aid of a computer. Activate the arc. Parrish pushed the computer buttons, and Grok thrust the spear forward in the same area. Nothing happened. There were no sparks or dematerialization. He moved the spear to the left, encountering the deadly field again. Close, close, very close, said Grok, shaking his head. Laren, Flezen, each of you get a spear. Hold it as I did. I want to know where the edge of that field is at all times. Everyone else, come down here. Paris handed him the computer with the attached fluton. It would be more difficult this time as they huddled together. The torches were extinguished as not to burn the fragile air, just leaving the light from the perimeter dwarf's light sticks. The slope was filled with sharp, narrow-edged rocks which were slippery from the draining water. When they had reached the lowest point, the group stepped onto muddy soil, walkable without the most extreme caution. One wrong step could be the last. It was as if they were crossing an ocean bottom. During the time they crossed the short distance, they prepared themselves for the possibility of an instant death, and the dwarfs above them in the mountain fortress seemed very secondary. Twenty minutes later, they emerged from the fresh air and up the fortress slope. Now they were extremely fatigued and drained by the emotional stress, but Grok was determined as he pushed up the slope in the dim light. They climbed to a point just below the fortress balcony. Light bombs are up there said Sheesh, pointing to the balcony. Two dwarfs in this immediate section, said Paris. We will not use the flutons, said Grok. Commander, I understand your confidence in the freeholders, but we are strongly outnumbered. I know that, Paris. I don't want any energy readings monitored inside. We'll use the flutons once we get inside. Only then, if we have to. Treeform, I need two of your best archers. Freeholder leader motioned for two of his dwarfs and they rushed up to Grok with their bows. Yes, Commander. There are two dwarfs on the balcony above. I want them killed. One shot each with your bows. Laren, you will cover them in case anything goes wrong. Understood. Sheesh, do you have a weapon? No, Commander. Use this fluton. It has the setting dial on top and is activated by two side triggers. He said as he handed the fluton to the Renegade. And the rest of you. Fluton should be set to vaporize. The two freeholders began to scale the rocks above them. Reaching the edge of the wall without a noise, they secured their bows. Both dwarfs looked at each other one final time, nodded and sprang up. At once they released their arrows, puncturing the guards' dark clothing before they could move. 
Both guards fell to the stone floor, dead, and the freeholders signaled for the group to come up the rocks. Laren was the first over the wall and followed quickly by the others. Life forms, asked Grack. At the end of the corridor from this door, said Paris. Pick up the rifles, ordered Grock. Laren, holding one of the rifles, opened the heavy door. They ran through the stone corridor. Once again, Grock took the lead, edging his way to the corner of the next corridor. He looked down at the computer. Sixteen guards, outside the entrance to a larger room, he whispered to Paris. As he spoke, however, guards began pouring out the outside door from the balcony, scattering their fluton fire at will. Several of Treeform's dwarfs were mowed down, but the fire was quickly returned. The guards at the door were vaporized, and a gaping hole appeared in the stones. Commander, beckoned Paris. Forward, forward, cried Grok, as if the blood of battle had rallied his spirits. They followed him, facing the overwhelming odds, ducking into the alcoves of the large corridor. As a contingent of guards rounded the corner, Grok gave the order to fire. The fortress guards attempted to return the fire, only to see a small part of the wall blasted to rubble. Still, with the slightest element of surprise, the intruders kept firing ahead. The guards who were not vaporized retreated down the corridor and into a larger room. A green energy field soon surrounded the room's huge wooden doors. No, not another field, said Grok in frustration. Can we break through it with the weapons? It should be possible. Apparently this field was meant for weaponless dwarfs said Paris as he looked at Grok's computer. Laren, fire that rifle at the outside rim of this field, ordered Grok. Yes, sir. The rest of you, take up positions on both sides of the corridor. Like a welder with his torch, Laren fired the rifle at the border around the door. Slowly, portions of the field seemed to slip away. More fortress guards running at full speed were coming down both ends of the corridor. They were quickly picked off by the freeholders and Grok personally, as Laren kept his aim on the field. The entire field broke apart, and in seconds, Laren blasted a ten-foot hole in the door. At once, the fortress guards commenced firing, and everyone backed away from the door. They are all well-armed, Commander, said Paris as he studied the computer readings. The majority of guards are inside this room, he said as he looked up the graph. Two hundred of them. Not very encouraging, said Grok, as occasionally a guard would attempt to traverse the corridor, only to be vaporized by the freeholders. We can't beat these odds, even with our flutons. Quite correct, Commander. We may be nearing the end of our fight, answered his second-in-command. Can you unclose the weapon? Asked Sheesh into his translator. All weapons have safety hitches, said Grok. Can't be done. Even with a diaplosis condenser? A what? The condenser creates a homing explosion. We use it to bring in distant signals. And that is inside your computer, asked Grok. I can attach it to the circuits of your fluton, said Sheesh. A respectable idea, Sheesh, but how do we get it in there? asked the commander. One of the guards, said Treeform. Let us take care of this, Treeform. You don't know anything about weaponry. No said the freeholder as he came up to Grok, but I do know tactics. If you blow up your weapon, you will need someone to bring it in there. Any one of us will be killed, but not one of the guards. Well, said Grok as the futon energy blasted the wall next to him and he scampered backwards. I guess it's the only way, he admitted. 
Upset that the freeholder had thought of the plan. Your orders, Commander. Flutons on lowest setting. Bring one of the guards down here. Rocks, dwarfs, ran up the corridor. And in a matter of seconds, they had knocked several guards unconscious. The fire from inside was minimal now as they dragged out one of the guards down to the entrance. He was groggy and almost awake as Grok looked down at him. Listen to me, said Grok. The guard lunged at Grok. Quickly, he was wrestled to the ground by the freeholders, and they held him back as he yelled at Grok. I will kill you all! No, you won't, scowled Grok. Now you listen to me. We want a ceasefire. We will... I only take my orders from Volrain, shouted the guard. You will take orders from me or I will kill you on the spot, said Grok. The guard closed his mouth and knew the commander was serious. Commander, we are ready on this end. Good. We will strap your instructions on your back and you will give them to your leader. Halfrin. Yes, Halfrin. Go to him and give him the instructions. Any wrong moves and you will be killed instantly. I don't trust you, Freeholder. I am not a Freeholder and you don't have any choice. Now turn around, yelled Grok. Paris and Sheesh moved over and strapped the black rifle to the guard. Paris preset the weapon timer so the condenser would be activated in 20 seconds. He pulled his hands away and nodded to Grok. All right, move forward to your Halfrin, ordered Grok, and the guard, his face still scowling, moved into the doorway. Our weapons are all trained on you. The fluton fire from inside ceased, and the guard walked into the large room. Grok, Sheesh, and the others ran for cover down the corridor. They dove on their stomachs. There was a sharp lull, and then an expanding rubble throughout the fortress as the fluton rifle exploded with great fury. The upper foundation of the fortress shook, and dust fell below as a monstrous wave of smoke and debris blew past them. Grok looked at his second-in-command. Well? Apparently successful, Commander. Twenty-six fortress dwarfs left. Most incapacitated. Good, good. Thank you, Sheesh, he told the Renegade. My pleasure, Commander, he said as they rose. We must move, said Grok as he grabbed Tree Farm's shoulder. You were right. I'm sorry for doubting your ability. We must finish our work, Commander, said the Freeholder. Agreed, said Grok as he led them back to the large room. To the right of the doorway, the wall was crumbled. Inside, carpet, banners, and the table had been summarily reduced to ashes. Large doors to an entryway had come crashing down to the floor. Throw down your arms, cried Grok as he led the others into the room. I am Halfran. We will take no provocative action. Grok moved forward to the leader. Most of the dwarfs were rather quiescent, lying on the ground in shock. One, unseen by Grok, moved along the rubble and raised his weapon upward. He was about to pull the trigger when the Renegade unleashed his fluton, vaporizing the dwarf and the rubble around him. My humble thanks, Sheesh, smiled Grok as he swallowed. He looked back at Halfrin with a deep-seated hatred. All right, Halfrin, gather the remaining dwarfs over here. We will tolerate no deception. And we will give none. He walked toward Grok with his hands in the air, followed by twenty or more dwarfs. They gathered in the center of the room and were rounded up by Trefrome. At this time, Antovian, who had escaped his captors, ran into the room. He had not expected to see Grok. Commander, my friend, said Grok cordially as he walked over to him and put his hand on the dwarf's shoulder. 
Friend, I don't understand, Commander. We are moving against the Elders, Antovian, said Grok. We were trying to get you and Brady, smiled the Commander. Yes, that was my original intention. I tried to control the events, but I must confess plainly that events have controlled me. And I have seen what the Elders did to the dwarfs on the plain. I saw it in my cell. Yes, that is why we must find the Elders and kill them said Grok as he turned back to Halfrim. Where are they, Halfrim? Who? Who, Commander? Don't be coy with me. Where are the elders of Volrain? There are no elders. That is just a myth, Commander. We are the only ones here. Life forms, Paris. Scattered, Commander. Ten dwarfs in different locations around the fortress. Assemble them here, Halfrim, said Grok. Very well. He motioned to one of his guards. Bring all the remaining guards up here with no weapons. Is that clear? Yes, Halfred, said one of the dwarfs as he moved toward the door. Freeform, sheesh, go with him. Any hostile moves, kill him. We will make no hostile moves, Commander, reassured Halfred. You tell me, Halfred, where the elders are. I'm sorry, Commander. I'm telling you there are no elders. We will find them. In the meantime, Larian, Pleasant, get over to those ships. Work with these dwarfs. I want one ship programmed for the perimeter and the other ship... Yes, Commander? Program that ship for Neuralon. Neuralon, Commander? Neuralon, Dwarf Laren. Halfrin, you will assist them and answer any questions. And no tricks. They brought Halfrin under the points of their flutons over to the ships behind the rubble. Commander said Paris. The power reading still suggests a source down that tunnel behind the collapsed doors. Grok rubbed his face. He was tired and he knew his dwarfs were tired. We have taken the fortress, Paris. We have all grown fatigued. Perhaps we should wait till we have rested. No doubt the elders will be formidable, Commander. They sent Brady somewhere down that tunnel almost ten hours ago. What are you talking about? asked Antolian. Brady? asked Grok. The human who wants to warn his race of the War of Undoing. As long as the Elders exist, the perimeter exists, said Paris. Very well. We will all go into the tunnel, said Grok as the Renegan and Treeform returned with the rest of the fortress guards. We are going down this tunnel to the Elders, he told them. I will accompany you, Commander, said Sheesh. No, I want you and Treeform back here, Sheesh. You must guard Halfrin and the others. I don't trust them. Watch them while they prepare the ships for space travel. We'll be back. A risky venture, Commander, said the Renegan. Give us one day. If there is no word, use your own discretion. Find the elders or leave this place. Very well, Commander. I hope you will be successful. Join us next week as a noble experiment by Robert P. Fitton continues. This has been a production of Fitton Theater of the Words.